You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 22 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP, Haniel Croturu. This is Christian Buckley, and I'm recording another MVP Buzz Chat video. And I'm here with, I, 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 again, where are you? Based out of where's home? Is it the Toronto area, right? Or Toronto, yes. Okay, so we have um, Haniel. That is, uh, uh, I'm sure I almost got the name pronounced correctly, but uh, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about where you are, what you're doing, what your role is. Sure. My name is Daniel Cotoro. I'm a Microsoft MVP, a SharePoint consultant. I've been working in the field for about 13 years, based out of Toronto. Uh, personally, uh, love automation. My motto is that I'm lazy, so if I can have somebody else do the work or some <laughs> other do the work, yeah. Why? Well, that hey, that's that's really the secret to most automation. It's just it's uh, inherent laziness on the. Uh, you know, for developers and IT pros, we just don't want to do it. It's those those uh, repeated tasks, and it's like no one wants to do that job. And let's just automate. That's right. Uh, I've just gone through tax season and uh, setting up a, a whole environment last year where everything is pretty much automated, and just having it done in about fifteen minutes was great. And I mean, in the past, it was a matter of scanning and and excels and all of that, and that's all uh, history now. Well, that, that that is cool too, because so much like you you go and log into like we've got TurboTax here, and uh, and and you log in there and says you know hey are you still with the same employer? Yes, pulls it all down. Hey, here it all is, and so does a lot of that pre work for you. Right. That's kind of the you know interesting. I had another conversation yesterday talking about uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and what we can expect because the person I was speaking with was very unimpressed with the current slate of different tools and wasn't seeing certain things. And we had this whole conversation about how, well, you know, to, to have that level of automation, you need to make sure that you've got the right signals, the right data that you're able to build off of. Right. Um, and, and as you add that in, it improves your chance of doing things. But I think in the, in this era where we, seem to retain all information from all systems, whether we ever use it, look at it ever again, but there's an opportunity for automation right there because we keep everything. We're hoarders, we're data hoarders. Absolutely, and, and it's, it's funny when you use the word hoarder because I look at, at entire cabinets and I went down this, this road about- The, the entire cabinets behind me, is that what you're talking about? That's yes. what you're thinking there, right, yeah. No, they're they're probably empty and filled with some some good drinks and and other things. But uh, but I had entire cabinets and just literally just going through them and eliminating more and more paper, uh, and now being able to just access it from anywhere, anytime I need is it's it's great. It's literally saving me a ton of time. So uh, mo whenever possible, I try to get everything electronic. Whenever I get a piece of paper, it goes into the scanner and it goes into the shredder, and I never think about it again. I love it. Yeah, you, you know, one of my first jobs, I worked for a company, I don't know if you know, remember them, uh, EDS. Um, so it was the, the consulting company Ross Perot started. He had already been gone when I, I started there. But so in the early 90s, he was off running for president or something. But um, 
you know, went to work and I, so I was a business analyst and technical writer and I would go in and swap out, work with the engineering teams and swap out documentation. And it was literally go and find it. Uh, you know, they would in the COBOL, they would like flower box the comments that I go capture the stuff, talk to the engineers about what needs to change the documentation, print out the changes, um, add a new page, uh, you know, within this hierarchy of content, right. Drive across town, uh, to a beacon storage facility, um, where I, you know, go through their Dewey decimal system, whatever it was to find the right box, pull it down, find the right binder, open it up, swap out or insert a new page for the documentation, put it back, drive back to the office. And I did that two, three times a week for these guys. And uh, one of the first projects that I had for them was uh, starting to digitize their content. So this was like 93, 90, I think 93, 94, somewhere down there. Um, and just, so I would learn that lesson. One, managing that kind of content in that way. Um, and somebody would ask a question and be like, I have no idea. We'd have to go dig through boxes and binders to find some of the answers to these things. Yeah. And moving it to digital, I mean, just changed everything. It, it, it changed everything. And, and it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned that you would be driving across town and somebody else would be managing the boxes and somebody else would be, would be doing some, some other tasks. And a lot of times when you talk to people about automation today, it's, it's similar to when you talk to people about going into the cloud. Right away, IT people think, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job, right? Mm -hmm. Servers are gone. What am I going to do now? Same things happening with automation, I find, is that a lot of times people are afraid that their jobs are going to be gone because what they used to do, which are very mundane tasks, are all of a sudden becoming automated. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that this is a great time. This is a great opportunity for people to augment their skills, learn something new, and focus on, on, on innovation and, and something that they can do for a company to really be on the forefront rather than just sitting and, and doing very repetitive tasks that are typically uh, um, uh, low level, uh, sometimes high risk in terms of duplication of content or transcription. So I, I definitely think that everybody, where possible, it does, automation is not for, for everything, but where possible, it can, uh, there's many, many benefits to it. Well, I mean, the other side, get your thoughts on this too. It's, I mean, it's, for one, it's not like most organizations, most enterprises can't just flip a switch and move to the cloud. And that's why um, hybrid environments will be around for a long time, uh, you know, because there will be that need. And because there's hybrid, even if you went pure cloud, moved all of your systems across or are a smaller, younger company that just started in the cloud day one and, and move forward, you still need to have people that understand that former world, that understand the networks, the, the, the services that are being provided uh, the, the, and the technology to go and build that, that kind of automation. Understand how the services run and what needs to happen locally versus with that you know, MSP or with that, that OEM providing that platform. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the, stuff, the kind of stuff you're doing, I mean, when you talk about, so talking about automation and that is a, there's a loaded kind of term out there. So what are the kind of things that you're doing that you're working with customers on? I mean, what are some practical applications of automation that you're working with customers on today? 
So some of the common examples are when we have clients who are today um, on premises and they decide to make a move to the cloud or they're in the cloud and they just want to improve their, their internet, their environment. Often this is an opportunity to do some house cleaning, look at everything that they have, all of their content and reorganize it. And then one of the questions that often comes up is, well, we have all these documents, these procedures, these policies, these forms, and what do we do with them? Do we just move them into the cloud? And this is often where I open up the conversation to say, you're taking a great step in reorganizing your content. Now, why don't you take one step further and say, okay, well, you have all this, this manual process that happens today, a travel request, an expense report, a vacation request, and all of those are happening on a PDF or it's a Word document that gets printed and signed or emailed. Why not simplify the process so that you're making it faster and, and uh, um, more reproduce, uh, reproducible and also you're, you're eliminating waste? So that's, that's typically one, one example where automation comes in and that's kind of the, the low-hanging fruit. Uh, and then in other scenarios, they just often have a uh, complex business problem that maybe the entire business process cannot be automated, but there may be parts of it where we can say, okay, we can identify certain areas where we can uh, take out the, the, the human aspect of it and automate it when it's pretty clear what's the input, what's the output, what's the process. Um, and it's very easy usually to, to, uh, to identify the, the return on investment when you're looking at the amount of time people are spending on certain uh, uh, workflows, when you're looking at the potential risk of making an error. Um, one example I give is when you have anything around sales. Well, if the process to, to get a, uh, a statement of work or an, uh, an RFP processed and signed, you may have already missed the deadline, you may have already lost that deal. If you can automate that, you may have a better chance, so you're reducing risk that way. Let, let me ask you a kind of sideways question here. So what's the difference between that, this definition, these descriptions of, of going in and automating um, key workloads, key business activities versus business transformation, which people are talking about? Do you, do you define them slightly differently? I think business transformation is a bit of a, a loaded term that's being used today. Um, digital transformation, business transformation, there's really a lot of elements to it. I would say that the, the business process automation, uh, workflow automation, th there's even a lot of words for that. Um, I would say that that's a subset of what business transformation is all about. It's really taking, when I think of business transformation, it's looking at overall, where is your business today as a whole? And where do you see it in the future? And then basically that whole transition. And the transition can be partially uh, automation of, of uh, work, but it can also be reorganization. It can also be better engagement with your, with your audience, better communication, better collaboration. So there's a lot of elements that make up the, the business uh, transformation story. Yeah, so I, and, and I, I agree with that, that description because it's, uh, I mean, you could decide to, as looking at digital transformation, say, you know what, we just are less efficient in this area. Therefore, we, maybe we focus or refocus our business. It's, it's exactly. I mean, that in, in ongoing operations management, I mean, you constantly look at those things and say how we can improve, where we could do better, where we leave it away or alone because the cost of moving and the benefits achieved by upgrading technology or, or changing this are lower than the, the, the or 
So the costs are higher than the value achieved. Therefore, let's stay where we are. And you, yeah. you, you look at that. But it's, um, all right. So, sorry. I, I just wanted to kind of put that out there, get your thoughts too, just because, you know, people might look at that and say, well, what's the difference between those, those two? And I agree. You have one that is this broader look at the entire business versus automation is really kind of a focus in, in that core area around, you know, business process, uh, you know, a, a specific technology or platform or a workload. Right. So, and, and I, yeah, okay. go ahead. Yeah. And I would say that actually one, one of the uh, big differences that I find in other areas in business transformation, whether it's collaboration, communication, is that there's often an element of adoption of training where you, people have to really understand how they move from today's world to, to the new world. Mm-hmm. But with business automation, I find it actually the other way around because you're going from something that's more manual to something that's more automated. So you're actually simplifying the world, the, the world a lot more. Something that may have been uh, uh, 15 steps, it's one step for the user. So the whole training and adoption element becomes so much simpler. It's almost like you don't have to teach them. You just have to tell them, you fill out a form and you used to email it to this person and wait for a response. Just email, forget about it, done. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, there's, let, let me ask you this. I, I just, sorry, I was, I was actually looking at your note of, uh, um, around streamlining communication and was thinking about a couple different ways. Look, there's, there's so much that's happening inside the Microsoft space. Uh, and I think changing a lot of the way that a lot of organizations are, well, forcing them to think about how they're doing their communication, how they're doing their collaboration. But with all of this focus around, uh, you know, the, the hyper growth that's happening around teams and, uh, and the Skype for business capabilities being rolled into that. And then the whole question of when do I use teams versus when do I use Yammer and kind of those, it, 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 you know, with all those things going on, when you talk about streamlining communications in, uh, by looking at Microsoft's, you know, products and services that are out there, um, what are you talking about to customers? How, how do you approach that? discussion with them about which tools to use um, that they should start leveraging. Right. Uh, so definitely uh, Teams is definitely one of the, the major tools because whatever organization that I speak to, they always have some levels of, of subunits within the organizations, whether it's projects, whether it is, it is functional units, departments. So, and Teams is usually a pretty good fit because it brings all of that information for those, those functional units together their content, their conversations. The question always comes up uh, around Yammer to say, well, where does Yammer fit into the picture? I mean, I've got Teams and then I can use Skype for my small conversations, but how, what's the Yammer story? Um, and often it's, it's really uh, a mix of uh, organizational maturity, the size of the organization, but then also the kind of content that they want to, to share and, and, and communicate on. So large organizations where they want to have an open forum Yammer is a, a pretty good fit for that. When you want to have something that's more locked down and, and uh, closer tied to the, the whole uh, working environment, I find that Teams works better for that. So one thing for sure is that there's no right or wrong answer for all organizations um, for that story for now. But, uh, but that's, that's typically the mix. It's, it's those two that I find that work well. So as, as far as the, the, the broader communication, now, like... So talking about streamlining that communication, now you have one business unit that is picking up and using Teams, another one that prefers 
you know, over on that side of the business using um, Yammer. There's another side of the business that is, you know, has built out, spent a lot of time and effort in customizing SharePoint. And now you have some disjointed communications in between those. So how do you approach that? That uh, I think we're both getting updates here with our calendars, you know? <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, so, I mean, how do you, this, that's something that, I mean, I hear a lot from different MVPs that are um, also frustrated with that, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I know how I go in and I approach that and talk to people about that. I mean, how do you approach that question from a communication standpoint? Because right. it does, it, you know, throwing more tools into the mix by default causes confusion to communication at the company level. Absolutely. I think that I think it's uh, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, on one hand, uh, you have the multiple tools and, and certain groups or departments may be used to the tools. Then you've got IT screaming because they need to support all these different tools. There might be additional licensing. There might be a lot of headaches. I always uh, feel that it's if it's, the more you can standardize on things, the easier it becomes, especially when you want to have champions within your organization. So champion for one department can help serve another department if they're working on a similar platform. When everybody starts doing their own thing, that becomes a bit more complex. Another thing is that if you want to start and start sharing some of that communication, so today it might be that every, every department does their own thing, but what if one at some point you want to say, okay, well, we have our departmental communication, but we want to reach out and work with another department. Mm -hmm. Well, if they're on a different platform, that's not going to work. And if it is going to work, that means you're going to have to do some integration. So my typical approach when I try to, to have these conversations is to try to, to standardize as much as possible. It might be more than one tool, but at least at the same level, try to leverage the same, the same tools as much as possible. So Yammer, you can use it organizationally, and then uh, departmentally or functionally, try to use something like Teams. So, that, uh, so how that works practically is, so is, is uh, I mean, the way I interpret what you just said is, like as a, an executive team, as IT to come together with recommendations and say, look, here are the scenarios. This is how we're going to work at, you know, as a company. Um, I mean, you're, you're always though going to have people, somebody that says, look, that doesn't make any sense for us. We work this way. And, you know, but that's, I, I mean, the, the way that I go and talk to customers about that scenario is I think exactly that message. Like you need to figure out what's right for the company at that, that level. Um, I, I've presented on for the last couple of years, there's a, a book called the social organization. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. I know Richard has cause Richard and I have talked about this like three years ago. Um, right. he'll deny the conversation of course, but, uh, no, uh, but it's a, what's great about it, the authors broke it down into kind of three simple things. They said with communication and collaboration, it's, it's the same, is that you need to understand um, what, what is the community that you're speaking to. And so when you're looking at the entire company, um, there's the community you're trying to reach. And as an IT organization, you need to think about what's needed for the scope of that community. Um, two, um, what is the... Uh, 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 the the right social interaction. It doesn't mean social technology. It means what's the way that we need to communicate for that community. 
What's the, the, the purpose and things around that? Then the third one is and then having that, that purpose, knowing what the, what the goal of that. So if you know the community, which is our entire company, you know that the, the types of communication that we must have for that community and then the, and the purpose, the goals of this, that then drives, hey, this is the technology that we're going to go and use. Right. Where it gets more complex is at the next level is that when you're talking about a business, you get the whole company. Now you've got a business unit, which might be a third of the company. In the business unit, you might have then a team with 10 people. And then you might have a project with three people working on it. Each of those different levels is a different community that has different uh, uh, technology, communication, collaboration needs, and has a different goal and purpose. So right. by forcing everybody that you're, it, I, I think this is Microsoft's message. Sorry, I'm like totally soapboxing. I know this, but it's a, uh, you know, Microsoft's message has, has shifted over the years to say that, look, you, you can't go and you need to have those guidelines, those goals, and this is what the community is. But you can't then go force the business unit, the team, the project folks to then use what was designed for this community and these needs and that purpose for their different scope and purpose. Absolutely. You always got to start with what's the need. That's always the first thing. What's the needs? Who are the users? That's, that's ultimately what's going to drive the decision. Now, there are many times are uh, kind of the, the hard and fast requirements that they just can't deviate from like security, being able to lock down, you know, compliance. Can, yeah. All of those things. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. And then, and then that's going to be the, the kind of the softer ones where, you know, I'd love this button to be green and I'm sorry, but Yammer has it in blue. So I, I'm sorry, but I can't use Yammer. Right. right. So that's where you're going to be a little bit more flexible and say, okay, well, maybe you can't have it all, but at least the, the core points that you mentioned before around what's the community, what's the purpose, uh, uh, what's the, me the means of, of the communication, those are being addressed. And if you're going to be looking at, you know, somebody could argue that, well, you can use a Yammer group or you can use a, a Microsoft Teams, and those three would be the same because you could lock it down and you can have people communicate and they can share content and they can share links. So often it, it will become a question of, okay, well, what's the, the, sometimes there's history. You know, we tried Yammer, we hated it, nobody wants to use Yammer. Okay, so maybe we do have to try something that's a little bit fresher, or maybe we have to use Yammer behind the scenes so people don't know that it's Yammer until they realize they go, oh, wow, okay, we didn't know that we were not using it properly. Yeah. So I, th I think, I really think that there's not a, it's not a, a black or white uh, uh, question around this whole communication. Well, and that, I, I, exactly, and that's why I think, uh, you know, as you're looking at ways to go in, you know, back to kind of the, you know, the, the, the streamlining communication and improving that is, is that I think you you have to know what your constraints are. You have to know what the securities, the, you know, the compliance, kind of all those, the, the rules are. And especially if you're in a regulated industry, I mean, you need to be very careful about those things. Um, and, you know, and then understand the community, the communication, the purpose of each of those things. Um, and, uh, but even if you had, let's just generically say that, that you know, that company-wide, business unit-wide, um, team-wide uh, and then project-wide could be, you know, all different technologies and different styles in each of those. But yeah. when you have the purpose and you understand that and, and then make sure that you're, each of those has to meet those constraints, um, that's a lot different. That, that's com complex, but it's not Wild West. It's not just 
people doing anything. It's within within reason. And you can choose from, but but it's it's control. So you've touched a couple of points, a couple of times you touched on compliance, which is really important for, for a lot of organizations. So if you're working in the cloud in the in the Office 365 space, so if you're going to be using Yammer conversations or Microsoft Teams or in the past if you used to use the, the shareable conversations, uh, Office 365 group conversations, you can get to that content. If you could, if you need to do some some discovery, you can get to that content because it's man, it's 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 uh, centrally managed. If you start to introduce, I love the term uh, rogue IT, but people start using their own solutions, that's when you can get into issues where where's the content? We're trying to find something. We know we had a conversation. Yeah, it's sitting somewhere in somebody else's cloud, and uh, right. and someone else, you know, uh, right. someone has access to that now. Right. So that, that's where, for, yeah, you definitely want to give options to the users, but they have to be controlled. Yeah, there's, uh, I know we're just, we, we, we're running out of time here, but that, that's like actually a, uh, I think one uh, a great benefit um, of, uh, of teams, especially in the future, is that um, if you start surfacing all of those, you know, uh, unofficial or your, these rogue IT solutions that are out there, but people are surfacing those through, um, teams, it could almost be a way that you can, it's, it's kind of like, uh, look, please let us know if you're using something that's not supported. Let's have a conversation about that because a lot of times it might be that it's an education issue. Like they're not aware that there is something that's supported that does exactly what they need and they just need to be educated on, on that. Or if they, they're using this thing because they've used it at a past company and it's, it's non-compliant, there's all these different issues and you have conversations like, here's why you can't use it. But by having that conversation and setting up, and I would say this is key to streamlining communications, is that the conversations about, here's why I'm using it, here's why what you're, what's in the supported uh, ecosystem does not meet these needs, I have these requirements, then IT can, you know, the, the governance body, whoever makes the decisions in your organization can say, okay, we understand why valid reasons for that, all right, we're going to, uh, you know, grandfather this in, or we're going to manage this you know, manually, but, but we need to follow these steps. We need to be able to log in and get access to this. You get hit by a bus tomorrow and all of that corporate IT is out on this cloud that no one can get to but you. That's a problem. So you can use that. However, we must have access. We need to have a, you know, every 30 days a report or there is a backup, whatever those things are. But you have that conversation and I think that's a much better uh, a, a way of approaching this than locking down external, like that, not allowing and shutting it down without having a conversation of why they're doing it in the first place. Right. And typically it's, governance, it's, it's yeah. uh, you know, the, the preference is to lock things down and not, not, not let users do things that they shouldn't be able to do. That's the historic way that we've handled all things in, in IT and, and certainly in the SharePoint world. And, but I mean, that's, that was my IT experience throughout my almost 30 year career. Don't give them a loaded gun. They're not going to shoot themselves in the foot. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is you know, I'm interesting. Like I know we, we kind of uh, jumped between different things and it's, it's almost always my fault, but uh, you know, I think some great topics here to uh, pick up and discuss again. And maybe we need to do that. Uh, you and I, and maybe we'll let Richard join us and have a conversation. We do a webinar and go through and talk about that. Because I, I, I put this stuff in kind of like that practical governance and operations management. 
I've been in a lot of operations roles throughout my career. Uh, and, and what is, it's nice to go and talk about, and you should do this, and this is the best practice. And then there's what actually happens on the ground. And it's great to sit and have those conversations, talk about it end to end, what it actually looks like to sit with the client and have a conversation about, let's go in and look at these workloads, these activities, and talk about how can we automate? How could we improve this? while not losing communication across the company and you know, adhering to our standards. Right. No, absolutely. And, and governance is often something that, that's at the core. And, and many organizations will look at governance as a, a, you know, a, thick, a thick book that's dusty sitting on a shelf. And nobody it's ever a binder, looks. not a book. It's a binder. It's, three it's, a, binder. Yes. it's a binder. And, and, and you know, if you can start introducing your, uh, your automation into governance so that governance is actually managed by the system. You don't need to worry about people reading manuals and like, you know, those shall do this or not do that. You just, if you can't do it, then you can't do it. Then you don't have to worry about, uh, oh, I did something wrong. I mean, when it comes to communication, it's a bit more tricky because people can start posting messages or posting content that needs to be curated or, or you know, obscene. But besides that, I mean, if you don't want people to be able to send information, then you block them. If you don't want them to use something in teams, then you block them. Governance are guidelines to live by, not rules to die by. Yes, exactly. Well, Handel, thank you so much for your time today. It's great talking as always. It was good to see you two weeks ago. Um, I don't know if I'll see you at the next, uh, are you out in SharePoint Fest out west? Are you coming out to Seattle? Uh, might be going there. Might have a, another engagement. I've got to see, but uh, for sure we'll catch up soon. And how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach you and find you out in the digital world? Um, so my Twitter handle is uh, uh, my last name, uh, hkrotoru. So that's my Twitter handle. Um, I'm also on Gmail, hkrotoru at gmail.com. Uh, might be worthwhile if you want to, on the video, put in the, uh, the, the handles because nobody's going to know how to pronounce uh, it. It'll be in there somewhere, but I know. I'd like to put it out there. It's a reminder to me. It's an audible reminder. For sure, for sure. Stuff, so. yeah, anyway, awesome. well, thanks a lot. Hey, have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.